<laughs> oh my gosh. Did oh I surprise you, Rome? Did I surprise you, man? No, you didn't really, because you're a real one, Mr. Keller. That's why I be that's why I mess with you, man. program everybody you just stepped inside of psychotic bump school the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul my name is dj rome and i want to welcome you to another exciting edition of psychotic bump school so ladies and gentlemen tonight oh we have an amazingly full show we took a week off last week but ladies and gentlemen we are back and we have two amazing guests coming through the school tonight First, we're going to have the good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller, in the house. We're going to be talking about this Donald Trump indictment that appears to be on the immediate and up and coming horizon, ladies and gentlemen. He's announced to the world that he expects to be arrested this week, possibly as early as tomorrow. So we're going to have to wait and see. And what are the implications of that? He has asked his followers to take their nation back, y'all. What does that mean? Is he calling for protests? Is he calling for civil unrest? We're going to be breaking all of that down with Jeffrey Keller. And of course, we're going to be continuing our discussion about relationships. And we got a few musical tributes for some recently fallen stars in the world of music. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And also rejoining us, it's been a while since she's been here, but her name is Marilyn Ellison Eccles. And Miss Eccles is returning to talk about Lullabies for the Soul, a tribute campaign that she's done in honor of her late daughter. And she's going to be talking to us about suicide awareness, depression, and how to combat the impacts of that as it relates to bullying. So that's Marilyn Ellison Eccles joining us again on Psychotic Bump School. So that's going to be our lineup. And you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We're going to kick off our show with Mr. Jeffrey Keller after this. Yeah, this is Jeff Keller from the Pocho Hour Power on KPFK 90.7 FM, and you're listening to the Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Oh, yeah. Yes, we are back. KCWGTheTruth.com. This program is called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, are y'all ready for Hunter Biden's laptop? That's right. The top story in the nation is Hunter Biden's laptop is still being. Oh, wait. Oh, I thought I was on Fox News. No, <laughs> you know what? Donald Trump announced over the weekend that he is going to be indicted. But do you think that's the top news story on Fox News? We're going to talk about that in a second. But I have a special guest here. Y'all go. Y'all know who this brother is, man. Come on, man. This former guy, this former occupant of the White House is calling for protest because he says he's about to get arrested tomorrow by the time you hear this. So to help me have this conversation, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome back to Psychotic Bump Score, our good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Mr. Keller, are you in the house? Yeah, man. What's going on? Man, 
I'm going to be hiding behind you, man. Are you ready for revolution, man? This, this guy says, go out and make some noise happen. What in the world is going on? Did you hear about that story, Mr. Keller? Donald Trump over the weekend said he's going to get arrested on Tuesday. He's going to get arrested. And that is tied directly to the uh, campaign finance laws being broken. <laughs> One of many. Um, well, first of all, we, we still don't know what he's going to be charged for. But there's a strong suspicion. It's not just him saying it, contrary to what some people are saying online, because they're saying, oh, he's just saying this so he can get some attention away from something else. No, he's not the only one saying it. His attorneys are saying it. Uh, a lot of legal experts are saying it. And it's not a surprise. Do we need to hold our breath? Mr. Keller, you and I, <laughs> we've been here multiple times before. What do you think is going to happen on Tuesday? Is this guy finally going to get arrested? And are we going to see a perp walk? Jeffrey Keller, what are your thoughts? Man, look at when they start telling brothers when they're gonna get arrested. When did that start happening? That's that's my question. But he ain't a brother. That's why they're doing it this way. I don't know. I'm like, dude, yeah, I got some uncles. If you told them they're gonna get arrested on Tuesday, they'd be flying out the country. You never see them fools again. Come on, man. Man, didn't they do Wimpy used to make deals like that on Popeye? I'll gladly play pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Come like, on, man. He looked like Wimpy, though. <laughs> President Wimpy. But see, that that's what I'm saying. This is rather unprecedented, wouldn't you say? Unless you're rich and, you know, you are you happen to be of means and wealth. They don't normally do this, do they? No, they don't do that. They just bust through your door talking about uh, put your hands up and guns are drawn. Wow. This guy gets to go in. It's going to be like a 20-minute deal. He's going to go in. They're going to charge him. He's going to sneak out the back door. So the idea, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, he's got he's got so many people on his back right now. He's got uh, this is this is stemming from a, an investigation that started under um, what's his name? Cyril Vance, I think his name is. I always get him mixed up with J.D. Vance in Ohio. But this was Vance in the Southern District of New York. Um, the investigation started under him and people were upset that he didn't go further with this Donald Trump probe. So he has a successor by the name of Alvin Bragg. Have you ever seen Alvin Bragg, Mr. Keller? Is Alvin a brother? Bruh. I mean, I try not to play things off because it's funny that, uh, by the way, speaking of that, um, I, I got to say this since you just brought that up because a lot of people don't even know this. We just lost Bobby Caldwell. This is off topic, ladies and gentlemen. So bear what with you me. Won't do, what you won't do. What you won't do. For love. For love. You tried everything. Come on now. Don't give up. We lost Bobby Caldwell. He was the very definition of blue-eyed soul back in the day. Famously mm -hmm. known for singing and writing the song, What You Won't Do for Love. And it's funny, Mr. Keller, that when somebody like that passes away and people put up pictures and I'm like, dang, Bobby Caldwell wasn't black? Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Caldwell was a white guy, man. He could sing his face off. I guess you wonder where I've been. I search to find the love within. I came back to let you know. Got a thing for you, and I can't let go. Days from your love, you see. 
Alvin Bragg is a brother, mm. and even and I'm I, I was surprised that I didn't know because what's apparently happening, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is that all these black folks, <laughs> nobody is taking Donald Trump down or at least attempting to, other than black folks. First, it was Letitia James in the Southern mm. District of New York, Fannie Wills in Georgia, because he was he's on tape. Well, he's he's on, you know, he's been recorded asking them to overturn the election and find him 11,780 votes, just one more vote than uh, what he had because he, he got his butt spanked in Georgia and he couldn't accept it. Fannie Wills, uh, the lead prosecutor down there, she's on his back. And then, and she's a sister, right? Mm -hmm. Alvin Bragg is a brother. He is bringing charges. He also brought charges against Steve Bannon too. Uh, for the for the wall thing, uh, you know, so don't mess with black folks when it comes to this MAGA thing. See, we're, we're going to be talking about our relationships a little bit. Um, and I tell you, one area that black folks, black men and women are united, it's again this MAGA stuff. And we need to celebrate that because that's one area where we're walking almost in lockstep. But yeah, he's a brother and he is on Trump's behind, bro. And they're saying that this looks like it's really going to go down uh, this week. And so I guess the implication is what's going to happen with the country, Mr. Keller, because when he announced that he's going to get arrested on Tuesday, he also asked for people to protest. Take our country back. Or what did he say? Take our nation back? He said, take our nation back. Jeffrey Keller, what does that mean? That means Jeffrey Keller's going to sit there on Tuesday 
with some popcorn and going to pop open a couple couple of uh, uh, sodas. Mm. And I'm going to sit there like they did us. Mm. I'm going to watch the maggots act out. And I'm going to oh. act just like white folks. I'm sitting there and go, this is horrible. And, you know, I'm going to be like, "Are these? look at these animals. This is horrible. What is, what, what what is, if, they need to go back where they came from. Bruh. But do you think, I mean, do you think Donald Trump still has that kind of sway with Republican voters to where well, even he, now? Well, this is going to be the interesting part, right, uh, on the real tip is, is it going to be like a firecracker? Or is it going to be like an M80? Uh-oh. What's the difference? Right? Well, a firecracker just goes pop. Mm-hmm. And M80 goes boom. Mm. So that's what we're going to see how much how much influence he has left. Is this going to be like a pop gun or is it going to be like an AR? Right? It's, what, what's, what is it going to be like? So it's going to be interesting to see. We're going to find out on Tuesday how much power he has or doesn't have. Yeah, it's going to be a real test. Uh, what was that movie, Rage Up in Harlem, when the brother would say, pop, go to weasel? You, you don't want that brother to pop because when he said pop, go to weasel, somebody's about to get the, the business handed to them. So if something does pop off, um, people are also arguing on that side. His supporters are saying this is politically motivated. Uh, Jeffrey Kelly, do you think this is this has some political motivation uh, coming behind it? Man, everything is political nowadays. But right, everything's framed that way. It's it's framed that way. But is he he's he's being well? Okay, we don't know what the exact charges are. So I, I got to keep saying that we don't know what the exact indictment is about. But this is about the Stormy Daniels thing, where he paid her off for her silence. Um, about the affair that he had years ago uh, coming into the election of 2016 when he ran against Hillary Clinton. Uh, there was a payment from his then henchman, Michael Cohen, paid her off of about $130,000 to be quiet so that it wouldn't influence the election. Now, it turns out it would have helped him get more votes, probably, but he, yeah. <laughs> he went to such great length to keep her quiet that... um. And then he he went about the business of denying it ever happened. Michael Cohen actually went to jail behind that. And he flipped on Donald Trump. And so he testified a few days ago. And he's not the last witness that testified. They invited uh, Trump in to testify. So Stormy Daniels, a.k.a. Stephanie Clifford, that's her real name. She said if this goes to trial, she, she'll stand there and, and testify. So I guess I'm saying is... Jeffrey Keller is right that there's so many things out there that are framed politically, but there's a big difference between politics and the law. You can be on either side of politics, but if you break the law, you got to be held accountable because they weren't worried about accountability when Michael Cohen went down, Mr. Keller. They were like, he gone. And Michael Avenatti, remember Michael Avenatti? He was a whole different type of character, though. He was running game on all kinds of people. He tried to, he tried to get over on Nike. <laughs> he did. He did. Mm -hmm. Michael Abinati, ladies and gentlemen, was the hotshot lawyer for Stephanie Clifford, a.k.a. Stormy Daniels. And he was getting all the airtime on CNN and MSNBC and wherever else he could get on to talk about bringing down Donald Trump. And he was even thinking about running for president. Now, nobody, <laughs> no, no voter... No serious voter took him serious with that. 
but he got a little bit too big for his britches and he was caught on a recording trying to basically extort Nike, right? And yeah, so they, made, they made an example out of him. But I guess my point is, how many Democrats did you hear crying about that? Saying it was politically motivated. It was a hit job just to silence him because he could run against Donald Trump and potentially make a run at him. I mean, that was bogus. But my point is, where was all this outcry about political motivation when it was Michael Cohen going down or Michael Avenatti going down? We didn't have a dog in the fight to I mean, we we didn't raise our voices in protests there. But yet every time something happens to Trump, when he when it looks like he's about to be held accountable, they start crying victim. And so it's pretty crazy to me. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, but, you know, he, it's just tough because, you know, he's not the only guy that's played paid people off. Right. I mean, Clinton paid off. Uh, what's her name? Paula Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, about 850 grand to be quiet. So. I mean, this 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 is what politicians do, right? This it's not it's nothing they don't do. They all do it. Well, and John Edwards, I mean, that's the big comparison that people are making. He was John Kerry's running mate back in two thousand four. Yeah, two thousand four, uh, when W. Bush ran for re-election that second time, and he paid off somebody because his wife was uh, recovering or being treated for cancer, and he went and had an affair with mm -hmm. somebody, got her pregnant. And he tried to silence it, make it go away. And so when that came out, he was investigated. It was a big old scandal. Uh, I think it was a hung jury on one of the counts. And but so he he dodged, you know, jail time. But this isn't unprecedented. I don't remember all the outrage back then because I, I agree that, you know, politicians do it. But that's the whole point, though, Jeff, to me, is like when you mess up, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. John Edwards was wrong for what he did. I mean, there's this is federal election committee stuff. And if you take money in the form of a, a donation, it's considered something going toward campaign finance. And you got to be careful about those transactions. That's why they have the FEC to monitor this stuff. And Donald Trump, unfortunately, feels like those rules just don't apply to him. And he just feels like he just needs to get away with it all. And people that support him tend to make that same case. Is he above the law? We can't hold him accountable for anything. He he he's a perfect angel. I mean, I know there's politics, but there is the law. You can't break the law. That's this all. This is why I, this is why I love you, bro. Because you, you 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 like yes, it's the law, and and I I love that. But as we know, politicians are above the law. What what is the greatest politician lying, and they get out of everything? I mean, they got subpoenas they don't even show up for. What is they the biggest line that they always use is I don't recall. It wasn't me. They, they pulled that. Uh, pull yep, the defense. That's 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 there. It wasn't me. It's I don't recall. I mean, they they get away with stuff all the time. I, I, can I get bailouts like they get bailouts? Can I do mm -hmm. insider trading like they do? Mm -hmm. I mean, this it's they, they when you say are they yes they're above the law. But what happened with? I'm, I'm, I've heard about the Paula Jones thing. What happened with Bill Clinton with that? I mean, Scott free, Scott free, he got away. Did he, did yeah. he answer any questions about it at all? No, I think, I think they did have a, you know, they always have one of those dog and pony, uh, um, what's it called? Well, they do those little investigations, committees, you know, they have a little committee and they, 
They it's like you know it's like wrong. It's like yeah. if, if you did something and then they go, Jeff, can you do a committee on this? I'm like, oh yeah. And Rome's like, oh, I'm going free. Yeah, it's it's like, dude, you, they got their Formality. friends and buddies in, in the committees, man. Ain't nothing mm. going to happen because mm. they all doing the same thing. Doing all the same thing. Well, that's why, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Bill Clinton. How many presidents have been impeached? He's one of them, right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't removed from office just like Trump wasn't removed. But Trump has the dubious distinction of being impeached twice. So go figure. And now it looks like he's about to be indicted. Another first for a former president of the United States. So we are definitely in some unchartered times, but what about the potential social unrest, Jeffrey Keller? They're still, uh, with this new Republican majority in the, the House of Representatives, they have made great steps to shut down the J6 panel and committee. Uh, to date, there's been close to 200 different arrests of all the people that stormed the Capitol, they're not done yet. They ain't nowhere close to being done. But everybody that thought that they were getting away with something and just basically turned to the camera and saying, hi, mom, I'm here at the Capitol. I'm here on I'm here in Nancy Pelosi's office with my feet on the desk. Hey, here I am. I'm defecating in the halls of the Congress. You know, they are all getting caught and they are all doing time. A lot of them are crying in court, Mr. Keller. So I guess what I'm asking, given that, will that be enough? In your opinion, you know, do you think that'll be enough to rein in any potential social unrest, given that Donald Trump has asked people to take their nation back? You know, I don't think it will. I think that the deal is that he just a lot. He just lost a lot of uh, support. How so? I don't I don't think he has the support uh, from the people that he had before. Who's I, not? I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just saying just the this just the normal everyday people. I'm not talking about you know, like Mark Meadows or Ted Cruz or people like that. Okay. You know, I'm just talking about everyday people. Like you're talking about, you know, they're charging these people. Yeah. They're just charging the regular people. I don't see them going after any politicians. No, no big fish like that have gone down for sure. But right? the lay people, he's trying to talk to the masses though. He is trying to talk. He's talking to his base who still could be potentially influenced and swayed by him to go out and do something silly. Right. I mean, they don't watch the news. I'm a, I'm a news geek. So they're probably not reading up on all the people that may believe as they believe that Donald Trump is the second coming. Right. So they might still feel inclined to go and do his bidding if he so blows that dog whistle and say, hey, it's time for us to go. Uh, you don't think they're going to roll out even under, you know, even after all this time? And, and that's why I said earlier, we'll find out. Right. We'll find out if it's a firecracker <laughs> or an M80. Mess around and find out. Yeah, we just gonna find out if, if nothing jump off, he gonna find out. Well, he don't have the support that he thought. He may have support from some congressmen and women. He may have support from some 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 big uh, uh, businesses, right? Corporations, mm -hmm. but he might not have that support of the people anymore. That support him before. And remember, a lot of those people that voted for him were white women. They 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 were up there, and and now they're like shoot. I, I I really don't think he has the support that they're trying to build and frame that he has. Well, um, I well, let, let me do this. Kevin McCarthy, the current Speaker of the House, has already made a basic announcement that we need to investigate Alvin Bragg for, for doing this because he's saying this is nothing but a political witch hunt. That's their favorite two words, too. It's a witch hunt. Mm -hmm. uh, sure do find a lot of witches, though, but... 
He's saying that somebody needs to investigate that. And, you know, that's not what a Speaker of the House needs to be doing. He shouldn't be even speaking out on this. And so even with as I mean, what what, what appears blatantly obvious to, to the delay voters like you and I, Donald Trump is still leading in all the straw polls, even against Ron DeSantis over in Florida. Now, DeSantis, he's he's crashing and burning right now. But there, this is we're still way, way far from, you know, formal announcements of who's going to be running for president to unseat Joe Biden for a second term. Nikki Haley's in the race. Trump is in the race. And people are saying because of that, the timing is very suspicious. I'm like, well, maybe if Donald Trump would answer a subpoena, because you were talking about subpoenas a minute ago, right? Mm -hmm. How many subpoenas has he ignored? How much mm -hmm. has he delayed this process? And they're complaining that the timing of this is uh, conspicuous because it's time to make him look back and hurt his chances for running for re-election. He hurt his own chances for running for re-election. But even with that, my point is, what do you think about the fact that he's still the number one choice for Republicans, even more than Ron DeSantis, who's in office right now? Right. But see, a lot of people think that him being charged will in increase his popularity. They've said if that. They, if, if they frame it this way, if they frame it that they're going after him because uh you know he's for america and and he 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 wants to get america back to how it was you know to, to rally his troops i know but and, is that a reason to cuz did you see batman versus superman <laughs> when uh wonder woman came out and then the the villain was uh lex luthor uh, mm -hmm. but he had he 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 created doomsday whatever that mm -hmm. picture was and brother man said, I can't remember who the black, H Harry Lennox is the actor. Oh, by the way, rest in peace to Lance Reddick. Oh my God. Come on now. Come what on is now. Go what is going on? I never even watched that show. Wasn't he on The Wire or something like that? It, I never watched on the that wire. show. He was on The Wire and he, he, was, he was on the uh, John Wick series. That's it. John Wick 4 just came out not too long ago, right? Uh, it hasn't came out yet, but it's getting ready to, yeah. Man, rest in peace, Lance Reddick, 60 years young. I don't know what happened to him, man, but oh my they God. just found him dead in his house. Just like these other people. They just find him dead in their house. It's like, it's like, what's going on? What's causing these things? What's going on? What is going on? Uh, I lost my train of thought now. What was I saying before I you know went into Lance Reddick? It was something about <laughs> uh, we was talking about Trump's fan base and if, are they going to show up yeah, or are they not and yeah. how and, and how them charging him will increase oh. his popularity. There you go. In the Batman versus Superman back to DC Comics, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you're a comic, but this is a different kind of comic. This is comic books, right? So in the movie <laughs> Batman versus Superman, Wonder Woman shows up for the first time on the big screen. Big moment, right? But Harry Lennox, the actor, that's what made me think about Lance Reddick. The actor, Harry Lennox, was saying, the more you shoot it, the stronger he gets. We can't kill it. Remember that moment? Like, yep. you, can't, you can't kill him. So I, I, I heard those same things. And in fact, it was, it was one of the people that was saying it was Marjorie Taylor Greene. She was like, yeah, go ahead and indict him. He's going to become more popular than ever. And Sebastian Gorka, one of his other henchmen, mm -hmm. he's going to win re-election hands down. That's what they're saying. They're saying, go ahead and do it and watch how popular he becomes. Because they just love an underdog, I guess. They just love a victim. But my God, will they ever let this guy go? I mean, I know that there's, I mean, I know Democrats aren't particularly fond of him. 
But see, the difference to me, Jeffrey Keller, is that Democrats will go after their own, you know, and I'm not down with either party in that way, but at least they will acknowledge wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. These cats, when it comes to Trump, maybe they would have done that prior to Trump. I mean, none of them do it to the extent that needs to be happened to be the, 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 the shining example on the hill that the United States claims to be and aspires to be to the world. They may never become that in the eyes of the uh, the average voter, but at least they give some semblance of accountability with Democrats. They will remove one of their own people uh, if they're doing wrong and they may hurt the Democratic brand or whatever. But these cats over here, man, they ain't ever letting this dude go. And he still got a chance to win the nomination and he can still run for president if he's not outright thrown in jail, which is crazy. He's going to be impeached twice after one term. Indicted. Fannie Wills is still going to do her thing in Georgia. That's still coming. The federal election committee is on his tail, too, in New York. So I don't know, man. This is KCWG, the truth.com. <laughs> this program's called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. I got Mr. Keller speechless over here. Uh, we're talking about uh, this impending uh, indictment of the former president, Donald Trump, who has told the nation to go back and take your nation back. Take your nation back. It takes yeah. millions to hold us back. Public enemy said that. Who is he named to be public enemy number one? Is he talking to all voters that didn't vote for him? I mean, take it back from who? I have another announcement about another celebrity passing, Mr. Keller. I don't know if you heard about this one. Uh, Fuzzy Haskins. Oh, the drummer. No, he was a vocalist. He 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 did play drums with Parliament Funkadelic sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we just lost him. Yeah. Fuzzy Haskins, an original vocalist of the Parliaments before they dropped the S and became Parliament. He was one of the uh, background vocalists, sometimes lead vocalists with George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. Clarence Fuzzy Haskins passed away uh, over the weekend at the age of 81, I think. Uh, he is most famous for singing on just about every single P-Funk classic you can think of. Uh, he's part of the famous Funkadelic trio. Uh, they broke off when they had a, a legal entanglement with George Clinton over the name and use of the name Funkadelic. Well, he, uh, the late Calvin Simon and Grady Thomas, who I think is the only one of that group that's still here, Shady Grady Thomas, they went off and did a project called Connections and Disconnections by Funkadelic. And they had a very, very, very widely used hip hop sample. One of the greatest drum riffs of all time. Uh, and it's been sampled on everything from Eric B and Rakim to N.W.A. Um, you'll you'll like it, too. Um, classic, classic drum break. You've heard it everywhere. Trust me. You know what I'm talking about. That was done by that iteration of Funkadelic. It was just the three of the guys, Grady Thomas, Calvin Simon, and the most recently departed Clarence Fuzzy Haskins. He's done a couple of solo albums, uh, an amazing vocalist with that, you know, shimmering, strong tenor voice. Um, so low, you can't go under it. Bruh. 
another great one has passed on. George Clinton is still here. Amazingly. I mean, he's can you imagine George Clinton just going on? He's still on tour. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Out of retirement to go on the road. But look at how many brothers he's seen go, you know, from Bernie Worrell to Gary Scheider, Eddie Hazel. Oh, my God. Um, so many of them. And now Fuzzy. We lost Man. Fuzzy. I was at a I was at a party one uh, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and I meet this girl. It was it was at Tyrese's house. He had a Taco Tuesday party, and Tyrese, so, R and B singer, Tyrese, yeah, the actor singer. You know Tyrese. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know I roll like that Kelly? sometimes. Sometimes. Well, you, sometimes. You, you know them all, man. Good lord. Sometimes I roll in some some cool circles. Once in a while, I get lucky. I see what you mean. And so I'm talking to this girl and we're hitting it off. And I said, so what do you do? And she says, oh, I sing. And I'm like, oh, so who do you sing with? She goes, well, you probably don't know the group. I said, well, go give it to me. She goes, Parliament Funkadelic. I go, I know know Parliament Funkadelic. She goes, yeah, George is my grandfather. I'm like, what? Okay, what was her name? So so then I went and I looked at some old pictures, right? Mm -hmm. From concerts I went to. And she's one of the girls singing and, and, and one of the three singers. So the original singers were Parlet, Rise of Funkenstein, but I'm that's this if this is his granddaughter, um, I'll have to look up the sisters that sang with him on Medicaid Fraud Dog. It must have been one of those three. Because yeah. those, those are his grandkids singing on that project. If I look it up, I could be able to tell you. But you met her, uh, and she told you that George Clinton is my grandfather, huh? Yeah, Tanisha. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, wow. her name's Tanisha. And uh, so we, we we still talk once in a while. Um, wow. But, you know, I interviewed George one time. I mm-hmm. ran into George on the street, so I took out my phone and interviewed him. And I and I and I asked him who who sampled him the most, like who owes him the most money. Huh. You know who you know who he said? No, MC Hammer. <laughs> of all people, really? <laughs> that's what I said. I said, really, George? Yeah, he ain't paid me a dime. I said, George, that's crazy. That is crazy, because the songs he's known for sampling is uh, famously "When Doves Cry." He sampled the Rick James "You Can't Touch This," and that's mm-hmm. why we pray by. Uh, Prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm a little surprised to hear that. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I tell you, uh, rest in paradise, Fuzzy. Thank you for all the music. Uh, say hello to Eddie, Bernie, Gary Scheider. Oh my God, so many of them. That's uh, a heck of a funk band in heaven, isn't it? Bruh. Yeah. George kinda- Duke. Don't forget George Duke. George Duke, not a member of the P Funk, but a definite uh, heir apparent. Because uh, he he played with him a little bit. Come on, yeah, man. he did. Yeah, he did. George Duke That's was right, the- baby. Yeah, baby, Come on, <laughs> not the Dookie stick. Yeah, oh, baby. My gosh, oh my gosh, what a jam! When they slip, it's the hip. The hip. You better not try to fight it, cause the grip is strong, strong and mighty. And mighty. The, motion, the motion is the motion, and it's those that move. It'll make you dip. It'll make you dip. It causes a sing it, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't ready for that, Mister Keller. They ain't ready for that. <laughs> they not ready for Man. that. Man. 
<laughs> man, may the funk live on. Oh my gosh. Did oh, I surprise you, Rome? Did I surprise you, man? No, you didn't really, because you're a real one, Mr. Keller. That's why I be that's why I mess with you, man. That's why I mess with you. Oh but, man. Oh my God. That that's great stuff. Rest in peace, Fuzzy Haskins. Well, uh, real quick, I don't know how I'm gonna top that, but this story right here really got to me, man. Um, take a look at this clip, Mr. Keller and audience. We've been talking about modern relationships here. And this clip from this week in modern relationships, I got this off of a, a content creator on YouTube named King Riches. And you guys have heard me play his stuff before. He's uh, connected to Jess Pearly things. And uh, she's a content creator in the vein of uh, the Manosphere, if you will. Um, she's been having some amazing guests and content around the topics of relationships. Pearl is a white woman uh, of American citizenship, but she's in the United Kingdom. So she does her show over there. And she just recently did a collaboration. And one of the things that they talked about was how black women are being perceived and how they are sexualized um, in modern relationships. Uh, Melanie had just finished talking about how women have used their bodies so much. Uh, and then he went around and asked if any of the other female panelists agreed with her. They're alluding to this woman right here. And Jeffrey Keller, I'm going to show you this. I'm going to have the audience just listen to this. This is Maggie, the substitute teacher. Um, I'm going to play this really quick because the person you're about to hear from is going to be alluding to this in just a second. Stand by. But I would like to offer something to the young mother, if I may. Uh, um, so just a couple of things that you said, and I'm really proud of you for being brave and being honest, but just moving forward. The first thing that you said that struck me, um, you said how you felt about the man. I felt this way about him. I was attracted to him. I, all the wonderful qualities just be mindful that men establish relationships. So up and until he says, I belong to you and you belong to me, or I would like to take this to the next level. I don't want to see other people. Anything other than that, it's not a relationship. Even if we feel all of the things, unless the man has established it, you are not in relationship. And I think as women, it would be wise of us to not assume because we feel some way it's so. So that's that. And then the conversation turned to some ladies after that to discuss whether or not uh, women are getting a fair share on the dating market or a fair shake. Watch this segment right here, Mr. Keller, and then we're going to talk about this. This is in response to the question of how women are treated on the dating market. Stand by. I think one that I don't know all those statistics, but I'm assuming you're talking from the U.S., you know, when you talk about wife culture and wife mindset, Maggie's a wife in, in, in this room, but I'm thinking but she's rare. She's rare. Her attitude and what she is in the in the world, the U.S. has the highest numbers of children born out of wedlock and the people who dominate that are black women. So this is worldwide. So worldwide. The single mother black, rate, single is, mother the single rate mother, is black women. The single mother rate is black women. in the UK as well. But it's black women who yeah, dominate that. So, but we're saying that we're not raised with this wife mindset. No, we're not. Saying. We're not. We're not. And we can blame. There's a lot of reasons for it. It's mm -hmm. not just because we just are. We're the worst or anything like that. But it's I not think, what I, I mean. Think, but I think that's what you have to break down, because if we're going to then speak to black women and say these things, you have to then come with 
one reasonings because there's so much we already get that you are this you are this you are that if we're then going to add to that ourselves you have to be responsible to add a solution and a background but the solution is you have to take accountability i don't care what your background is there we live in the most privileged society in the world even though the worst circumstance of a black woman today is nothing what it was 100 years ago i do agree with a lot of what you're saying but for me it comes from a place of let's talk about self-worth and let's talk about how black girls and black women can increase our self-worth and therefore you're from a place of help because if you're talking about other cultures the jewish culture any other cultures they are a community and they don't i feel like it's only our culture that constantly talks bad about each other so yes, publicly it's true it's true so publicly it's true so if we're going to have this conversation you come from a place of how can we help each other and build each other up maggie um kindly then spoke to this lady and said can i just say out of respect next time think like this next time put the right things in order and I think that was the most beneficial thing that she got from this conversation rather than all the questions of how did this happen how did this happen da, 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 and be an accusatory come from a place that Maggie was saying how do we help each other with building up our self-worth and kindness and stop with the constant well we're this we're this we're this we're this we're this because we are talking bad about ourselves but this is the thing black women want this soft tone but we don't give what we want to receive so we but are talking about but maggie did but look at most black women today there's an aggression there's a, a dominance there is a thing and i understand because most of us have been raised very masculine because we didn't have fathers in the home our mothers relied on us our mothers didn't teach us certain things so we want what we're not giving out to the world so you want the that. tone of Maggie then be Maggie like okay I'm gonna cut it right there uh, I'll, I'll pull put a link in the chat but before we run out of time with Mr. Keller I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I've just been on two panels this past weekend Mr. Keller and we're talking about things related to black statistics and how the fact that there are uh, only 26% of black women that are married, 33% of black men. We're the least married demographic in the country. And part of the issue, in my opinion, regarding whether or not black women will uh, go into an agreement in marriage with black men is because of the false and phony perceptions about black men. And the idea that you have to speak so perfectly and so carefully not to offend black women, some, not all, uh, they won't even take you seriously unless you speak with a Maggie, the substitute teacher kind of tone. But as Melanie King was saying, are they offering that uh, first in exchange for what they're asking for? I just thought that was very interesting. Mr. Keller, we're almost out of time. I know that was a long soliloquy on my part, but good brother, you've been here participating in these conversations with me and I sure appreciate. I'm always fascinated to get your insight. Good brother, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I think the lady made a valid point, a valid point where she was talking about how a lot of women are raised by single parents, so they have a male traits, right? And I think that's part of the problem. Mm. You know, I think there really is. You, you, uh, the, the girl that I'm dating right now, she, she didn't comment that she had to, uh, you know, submiss, not submiss, what's the word, submerge her male traits to be in a relationship. She has mm. to catch herself. Subdue them? Subdue them, yeah. She has to catch herself. Mm. And, and I thought that was very poignant on her point and, and very knowing of herself mm -hmm. that she's aware of that. And I don't leave that a lot. Oh, she had no problem with it. That And that's what I was about to ask you. Did she, did you sense any angst in that 
effort of hers to subdue that? Did she feel like she was betraying herself or her upbringing or the sisterhood in any way? Did you sense any of that whatsoever? No, because she says she's been doing self-exploration, uh, digging deeper than herself and looking at her past and her now and trying to grow as an individual, right? She doesn't get, she's not stuck. Mm. And I think a lot of the people we talk to are stuck. They're not evolving. They're not growing. Yeah. This is what you get. You either accept it or you don't. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard that from from a black woman. You, this is just who I am. Yeah. It's like, so you're not going to grow? Right. I, I'm, hopefully I'm I'm growing every day. I'm exploring myself. I'm exploring mm -hmm. my failures and saying, okay, why am I failing at this or that? Mm-hmm. I don't mm. just say, well, that's this is who I am. And well, if you don't like it, so be it. I'll go find somebody that will. And what happens is they don't. And then they end up bitter and blaming men. Yep. Yep. And that's what we've been talking about on this show. And there doesn't seem to be an, a willingness to discuss that. Each time I brought up these statistics, Jeffrey Keller, the fact that in the LGBTQ community, in the black community, women dominate in that number. 61% of the LGBT community in the black community consists of women. Less than 40% consists of the men. I can't even get sisters to stay on topic about that because they still consider it to be an attack. Even though it's just a matter of here's the research, you can go look at it yourself. They question the research. They want to attack the messenger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They don't right, want to yeah. talk about it. They want to change the subject. They want to talk about kumbaya right away. Instead, like this sister, the UK sister was just saying, she's like, there should be a burden on us to bring some solutions. But we OK, but before we do that, you're, you're right. But we before we do that, we have to acknowledge what is in front of us. We have been lied to for so long about what the, 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 the true status is of black men. Now, what I'm learning is that it's very similar over there in the UK. And as you know, the United States has a huge influence over the UK just in general. And so in the area of dating, it's, it's no different. But my point is that it's fascinating to see how these things play out. These conversational points come up frequently in women in general, that they don't want to talk about the topic at hand if it makes them uncomfortable. And I understand that to a certain degree, Mr. Keller. But it's interesting that some of the feedback that I got when women are surprised that the, the I know I keep using the LGBTQ thing, but even the prison rate. When I tell them it's only 1% of black men, and so that means you have a whole lot of black men that you didn't think was there that are actually there to choose from, they don't even believe that. And so it's, it's I can't even get them to accept the data. And I say then, and I say now, the only way to debunk research and statistics is with research and statistics. To just summarily dismiss the information out of hand, you're just in your feelings. And what I'm trying to do is make this more a facts over feeling conversation. Jeff Keller, what are your thoughts before we let you go? Well, you know, we, we grow from discomfort. Say that. You know, we grow from discomfort. And that's what people understand. If I do something that doesn't, that if I'm afraid to get on stage, then how am I ever going to get over that fear and grow as an individual? Right. If, I, if I'm afraid to have, uncomfortable conversations with somebody, then how am I going to learn about them and how they're going to learn about me? And how can also that uncom uncomfortableness turn into be comfortable? Mm -hmm. 
because we're only uncomfortable about what we don't know Come on. Or, or what our stereotypes are, our feelings from about that person. Right. Right. And that's what it is with black men. There's all these stereotypes. There's all these lies have been told. Mm-hmm. So unless unless we have a, a true and open conversation, mm. you have to be open. Yes. With your heart to listen, truly listen. Truly. And if you can and then respond in how you truly feel, not from what you've heard, mm-hmm. not from what you've been bombarded with, with your with your girlfriends, with social media, with media, with television, with movies, with rappers, with rap songs, with all that. Mm-hmm. After you cycle through all that, how do you really feel, originally feel right. about men? Like in the 70s, and not say, but the 80s and 90s were the songs that came out. Negativity about women and basically saying they was hoes and strippers and blah, blah, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now the whole game is flipped. Yep. Get your own. You don't need a man. You know what? You can have a baby and you don't need a man there to raise it. Nope. Get you an OnlyFans page, girl. It's, Get it's you an only. Yeah, men, men ain't worth nothing. Mm-hmm. City you girls. Can't do nothing for you. Go ahead, Queen. <laughs> Come on, hot, hot, hot girl summer. Hot man. girl summer. Hot girl summer. And these cats that we've been talking about, the 60% of black men that don't even have children who have been responsible and careful. Look, all we're trying to say is let's have a real conversation, ladies. We will get to solutions and kumbaya and all that. But we're going to talk about these numbers. We're going to talk about this stuff and we're going to engage honestly on it. Or we're just not going to have the conversation. And I understand there's going to be certain inspirations that come up. And I'm convinced, Mr. Keller, it's like y'all go off and have that conversation over there. We'll talk over here because we're staying focused on this. And we're going to be coming back to this theme uh, multiple times from this point forward. But, Mr. Keller, I sure appreciate you, man. Uh, What's the best way for people to follow your work? And how soon can we see you again around town? Man, I'm telling you right now, you follow me, please, on Instagram. You got Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, come on, all the social medias. If you're if you're down with you want to talk politics, you want to talk race, anything you want, I'm down with all that. That's what my comedy is about. I'm for the people that are that are unheard, who are unseen, who are, are downtrodden, who are kept down, who are beat down. That's who my comedy is is, is about to drop that knowledge to people, to open their minds in a comedic way where they go, oh, dang, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. If that's what that's what, that's what comedy used to be. We used to be social commentators. You're right. Dick Gregory's, right? You're Morton Saul's. Mm. Okay. Uh, 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 that's what they used to do. That's Tony. what we did. Paul. I mm. mean, that's what, that's what we did. Mm-hmm. And somehow they flipped the game uh, with Def Jam, where all of a sudden, forget social consciousness. Let's just be as crude and rude mm. as we can be. Let's talk about women. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about multiple women. Let's talk about getting over. And mm. it changed the game. It changed the community. It changed the culture. Yeah. They can say what they want about art, but art will change community and culture. I mean, you think about when Boys in the Hood came out, everybody want to be gangster. Yep. 
when 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 Saturday Night Fever came out, everybody wanted to do disco. Yeah. Music changes culture. Mm. Movies change culture, and we're seeing that now. The trend again with 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 the female raptors coming out. Yeah, Glorilla. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's happening. We 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 forget to think for ourselves. Amen. And and I'm not a church going person, but there are things that that are just in us. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe God is in everybody. Come on. And now what you put out there in positivity is God. And when you put out negativity, that's not God. Mm. And if you're supposed to be Jesus-like or God-like, then why aren't we doing that as a community? Why aren't we doing that as a nation? And see, now you got me up here preaching because Mm. we'll see up here and we'll go, we'll say, in in God we trust. Mm. And we said to you know God, God be with us, and then we'll go out there and, and and go to war with other countries. That part, and then be mad when they retaliate. <laughs> and that's something. Right? We'll say we're a God fearing nation, and there'll be a mass shooting, but we'll do nothing. The Congress will do nothing to control the mass shootings. Nothing. We'll have homeless people, and they're like, "Well, let's change it to unhoused." Why? Because the you want it to impact sound less, worse than it is. Wow. But we'll do nothing to to change that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these are the things, and this is what I get upset about: is we have things that go on in this country that they can change, that Congress can change. Right. But they get us caught up with these side games, right? Mm. They get us caught up, and then we fall for it. Man. While they up there getting $14 billion, million dollars from, from Big Pharma. Come on. While they up there getting big money from the NRA. Uh-oh. That's why they don't want to take money out of politics, because they're making so much money with it. <sighs> and that's why I get upset, and, and, and not, not to make fun of, of Trump and they're going to convict for, for his paying outs, but they all doing it. Mm-hmm. You, he just pissed somebody off, so they're like, okay, now we're going to get you. Mm-hmm. And that, these are the things. So I'm just, I'm just saying we need to wake up as a country. We need to wake up as people. And the reason, I'm telling you right now, the reason they don't want to teach CRT because if white folks find out what really happened to black people, they will come with us like they did with Martin Luther King and we'd have a revolution. Oh. They'll talk about slavery and how Lincoln freed us, but they won't talk about black codes that put us back on. They'll talk about uh, the Freeman Bureau and Reconstruction, but they won't talk about Rutherford who came the president after and overturned all that. Man. And you start learning these things. Who was the biggest domestic terrorist that happened on this country? Was Tulsa. It wasn't Oklahoma. It was Tulsa. Say that. And I could sit here and drop gems all day, but this is why they don't want people to learn about CRT. Because if you start learning about criminal race theory and what this country really did, you saw how mad white folks were when they saw George Floyd? Well, what, how mad are they going to be when they find out how their their country, their education, their history lied to them? Mm. 
we'd have a revolution. I'm telling you that right now. You telling it, brother? See, Rome, you got me fired up, man. Got him fired, fired up. <laughs> this is why I'll be trying to stay calm because be... <laughs> sometimes you just gotta let people cook, ladies and gentlemen. Jeffrey Keller is cooking, y'all. Uh, the good brother can be found at you. You call it the comedy chateau? Is that what I'm name? at the comedy chateau Saturdays, ten o'clock. Uh, if you go to uh, my Instagram, I'm always posting stuff. Um, but yeah, this is the kind of stuff I talk about on stage, man. And let me tell you, that's why when Rome's talking about afraid of being canceled, no, I'm not afraid to be canceled. I've toured with Paul Mooney. I've seen Paul drop knowledge, make people laugh, and I've seen what they've tried to do to him. And anytime, and I said it earlier, Rome, anytime black man tries to do something, they make a ripple in this country, they try to attack his manhood, they try to attack who, his essence and who they are. When yeah. really, they the ones. They the ones that that pass laws whenever black people try to make it. When 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 Massa was going in the slave quarters and having all these biracial kids, and and the country got scared, the South and, and Midwest got Eastern part of the conference got scared. What did they do? They passed the law that said you are what your mother is. Mm. Look at that. This way you couldn't own land. Mm-hmm. So mm -hmm. if Massa was in there, you couldn't you couldn't say, okay, that's my daddy. No, you had to say, that's my mama. That's my mama. Wasn't that a situation comedy back in the day? Come on now. It sure was. That's my mama. But <laughs> is that is that not crazy though? How that many people know that? When they talk about white privilege and white folks go, I don't have white privilege, you know America created black white so they could so they knew who got privilege and who didn't. Mm. That's why that was created. Speak on it. So when, when white folks go, well, you know, I don't have, yes, that's why it was created. So you could have privilege. Mm. So black folks could stay in slavery. So they could stay in Jim Crow. That's why it's called black, black drinking fountain, white drinking fountain. Bruh. That's white privilege. Don't you, do they not understand that? But they don't teach that. I mean, it's not like it's hiding. I mean, it's in plain sight, right? I mean, even when you teach them, are they believing it? But someone's got to point it out to them. That's all you're doing, man. That's all, and that's all I do on stage, room. I just point it out, man. Point it out. Point it out. Don't change the subject. Point it out. This is this is it right here. This, you know, the gift on the gift, the GIF gift, where they say this, and the meme is just pointing upward. This. Focus on this. Google it. That's why I tell you, you don't believe Google me. It. Google it. Yeah, Google it. You know, you can fact check all of this. this is, don't deflect. Don't distract. Mm -hmm. Don't take it personal. Okay? We're not blaming. What do they, what do they like to say, Rome? What do they like to say? Don't take it personal, baby. It's just business. It's business. <laughs> it's just business. That's business. <laughs> my, my, my. Well, Jeffrey Keller, I sure appreciate you doing the business with me, good brother. And uh, make sure you check him out at the Comedy Chateau. Uh, and his Instagram, the IG, good brother, is what? Uh, My mom's white. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time, man. I got to make sure you announce that every single time. <laughs> every time I say it, when I get off stage, people start rolling. They're like, you a fool. I'm like, yeah. Jeff Kellis, you ain't going to remember that, but you remember my mom's white. <laughs> and see now, see, now you learned me something. I've known you a long time. I've known about that IG address, but... You were just talking about people say you got to claim your mama. And if your mama's black, you can't own land. But if Jeffrey Keller's mom is white, you know what that means? Means we all going to jail. <laughs> 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 this is DJ Valida. 
and you're listening to DJ Rome on Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. Can't breathe, can't think, been doing them. My friends on the street stop so abrupt. What's wrong? They demand, tell us what's up. No need one look and they all shut up. See, it's written all over anyone can see. No matter how much daily attitude seems. And I'm tired of missing what I can replace. So tired of the world knowing your mistakes. And the tears keep rolling down my face. WGTheTruth.com. This program is called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a guest that has returned after a long absence, only in the physical, though, because she is and has made an indelible impression on this podcast with her story and her mission and her aim to make all aware as much as possible the perils of uh, lacking suicide awareness. And so we're going to welcome her back and we're going to talk about some things that are going to help some people out there. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, Miss Marilyn Ellison Eccles. Miss Eccles, how you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? Hello, everyone. Hey, hey, hey. As they used to say on uh, the Raj and Rerun show. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome on sure. back. 
Yeah. So, hey, this is um, always a good time. I mean, sadly, there's never um, an improper time to talk about this because this issue seems to play in the backdrop of so many people's lives. Uh, the, the task ahead of us is quite daunting, right? So what can you tell us about the work you've been doing lately with regard to this mission that you have? In fact, can you just bring us up to speed about uh, what your mission is and what makes this so important to you? Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yes, I've started a nonprofit organization in 2019 named after uh, a, a book of poetry that my daughter had, daughter wrote, and mm. I did get it published. It's called Lullabies for the Soul. Yes. Because of her untimely death, which happened in 2017, day after her birthday, uh, she did take her own life. At that point, I didn't know how to address it or I had to I had to do some healing myself yeah and, and um in my and I will just wanted to to tap on tap into this the first year I, I was looking for answers realizing that I may not ever find the answer to why but what our organization is 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 doing or going to uh, to do is to tap into the elementary schools, the junior high schools, and then uh, the high school students and equip them or load them down with resources. So to let them know that someone is always listening and there's someone to reach out to. If there's a crisis at home or if there's uh, some, some type of bullying going on at school, or if it's in, you know, if, it's, if they're not just not feeling good about themselves. Um, we have decided to launch a uh, an outreach program. Mm -hmm. So I will be going into the, to, we're going to start with the elementary schools because we, we a nine-year-old girl, and I do believe this was in 2019, due to bullying, uh, she did commit suicide. She was nine years old. Mm. And that bothered me a lot. I even had have her picture on one of our slideshows that we'll be presenting as the uh, visual aid, uh, visual aid to to reach out to the students and to let them know that you know you're not alone. Suicide, and I and I I know I'm, I'm going to be you know going back and forth. We we'll go through you know in and out of bullying and suicide, but suicide is now the second leading cause of teenage deaths in the, in the United States. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was really like that, you know, my, the motivation started to, you know, well up in my spirit again. I, I, I've got to get out there and I've got to do this. We've got to spread the word. Um, we're going to do it maybe through, um, like I said, visual aids for the, the, elementary schools with the coloring books and, and, and arm them with the, you know, numbers that they can call. And even, right. Eventually I would like to get a hotline and, you know, so we can tap into that bullying because there's people bullying. Sometimes this is, this, this, my own feelings are that 
sometime it is someone at home that's bullying them mm. you know or it, it it may not be quote unquote bullying board but um it could be some type of a, a form of abuse mm. and they take it out on their students that they attend school with hmm. they have no other they they don't know any other way to do any other way to express it in no other outlet and that's where we come in to give them other outlets and and have one-on-one -on -one peer counseling with them so they can express themselves in a comfortable environment. What are some ways that we can empower someone that might be in a situation where they are subjected to, subjected to this and let's say it is coming from social media? What are some ways in which we can combat that? That's very difficult to do because even though we have parental uh, apps on our phones to stop them from going on the app on their phone, mm -hmm. they will find a way to connect with someone on someone else's phone. That's kind of difficult to do because I, I noticed even with uh, in my own family where one child may not have a phone, but she will call me from another phone. I don't know the number, but she's, she can, she keeps, she's in touch. So I'm saying, mm -hmm. okay, well, but you're not supposed to have a phone. <laughs> so how is that happening? But, but So what does a parent do in that situation? I mean, I, it doesn't it put your heart at ease to let to to know that your 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 little one is safe. But at the same time, if you explicitly stipulate that you are not to touch a phone under any circumstances, then you know you'd rather them err on the side of caution, right? Yes, right. Right. <laughs> but nevertheless, <laughs> but you're, but that, but I know your point. I don't, I don't want to diminish your main point. No, that's OK. The main point you're saying is that, yeah, you can have parental you can exercise some parental discretion with regard to how much they access with the phone, how much they do with it. But nevertheless, these kids are so savvy. Like you said, toward the beginning, a seven year old has, you know, they're more savvier than some of the older kids because they've been born into this social media generation. They were born. Absolutely. They probably came out of the womb with a cell phone to their ear. Absolutely. Said, I totally know, or, agree with or a you. tablet at their fingertips, you know what I'm saying? And so how in the world can you compete with that as a parent? I mean, is it just a matter of just saying, no, stop this? Or if you're just going to say, well, let kids be kids. Remember what they used to say about um, kids who are, you know, sexually active before the age of consent, if you will. Mm -hmm. and they yes. would say, kids are going to be kids, so we might as well just empower them, give them the tools to protect themselves. So what are the tools to protect themselves? If Let's, let's just say that we can't stop this proliferation of social media use, no matter what the parents say and do, right? So how do we yes. empower them to protect themselves regardless in any scenario? Well, how we were going, how we're going to approach it is to go into the, the actual uh, classroom uh, with we thought about bracelets with the 988 number, which is a universal, I'll say lifeline number that you can call for depression, suicide, uh, anxiety, bullying, anything that that's uh, that's threatening one's, you know, sense of 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 safeness. They don't mm -hmm. have the safety that safety net. We're definitely going to have uh, that available. We'll. We're going to show them visual, um, uh, you know, show them and, and share our my story and mm -hmm. also other story, other people that will be attending or in the outreach program with me mm -hmm. will be, you know, we'll show slideshows of different statistics as well 
as an elementary school could understand it. Oh, yeah. Student, yes, because we can't go in there with uh, a graph and say, okay, well, 25% of you and 15% here and 20, no, we're going to break it down as, as we, as, as to the, the simplest denominator so they can be aware and understand. And we will ask questions. We're also going to, also going to give them surveys, mm -hmm. uh, age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They can answer the questions. Who would you, who would you, if you knew that you were in trouble or someone was uh, bullying you and taking your, okay, taking your money every day or doing something to threaten you that, that makes you feel uncomfortable, who would you go to? Would it be your mother, your father, a cousin, an auntie? We're going to ask questions like that. And in a, in a way that the elementary school student could, could comprehend it. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, we and some of the work I do, we call it present level. Let's find out what they know already and then we'll mm -hmm. figure out what Absolutely. they need, right? So what's the target uh, population that you have here? I hear you saying in schools, uh, is there a particular demographic, uh, community? Uh, how are you targeting this intervention? Okay, we're going to target the greater Los Angeles area, minority students, Hispanics, uh, African-Americans, uh, Asians, all, actually all nationalities. We're not trying to, you know, it, bullying, depression, anxiety, suicide has no, it has no color line. It sees oh. no age. It, see, it has none of that. That's right. We're going into schools and we're arming everyone that we can, we can at this point. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's needed. Yes. It's needed. So you mm -hmm. talked a little bit about anxiety too. Um, it presents slightly different than depression, wouldn't you say? And so when anxiety yes, is sort of coupled with depression, I mean, they, they kind of go hand to hand because there there is a link. Um, can you talk a little bit about anxiety, how it shows up in this discussion of a person that may be considering taking their own life? Uh, we know depression can certainly lead to it. And depression, ladies and gentlemen, it's not just sadness. I mean, you could be sad no. situationally, yeah. but when you're depressed, this is prolonged sadness. Where uh -huh. there's a sense that you have no end in sight, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And usually uh, it's the, the issue is duration and intensity. And so Correct. the longer that persists, then you might be a candidate for uh, an evaluation for depression, but anxiety is a little bit different. Uh, what can you tell us about how anxiety has shown up in your work? Anxiety um, feels to me like you have to get it done right away, and that mm -hmm. anxious feeling, and it 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 may be a lump in your throat that doesn't go away. It yeah. may be um, the the need to just get everything done in in a, an unrealistic timeline but that anxiety is there for you to do it and you keep going and going and you like you start spinning your wheels because you you know it's just it's it's you know you don't know which way to go you don't know who to turn you don't know what to do at that point mm -hmm. it's just uh something i was reading about um like it's there's a difference between being alone and feeling alone mm -hmm. so I know even, and I'm going to tap back into the, to, to the anxiety. Mm -hmm. I've talked to a lot of people that, that, that are family members that are, are 
you know, really good friends of mine and, and during my healing process have just exposed a lot of their feelings and their anxieties and their depression. And, and one told, when I spoke with someone not too long ago who said I could be in a crowd of people, but I still feel alone Uh huh. and asked me, well, do you feel that way? And I say, I said, well, actually, no, I said, I am alone right now, but I'm not lonely. That's right. Okay. So it's, it's a big difference. There is a difference. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Absolutely. So. Well, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, anxiety can be something else because it's kind of like, I like to think of it as you're just constantly, audience, if you can envision this for a second, because I want to build on what Marilyn just said. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you're just always in a state of just waiting for that other shoe to drop. Because people, when they're just walking and you're just putting one foot in front of the other, when you have an uninterrupted flow and you just stepping, 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 but what happens if you stepped and then you're trying to get that next step and you're just kind of hovering there mm -hmm. and that foot never hits the ground. And it's like, you know, gravity says hit the ground and keep it moving. But when you're anxious, you're kind of knowing that the jump scare is coming. And right. see, this is, I had a family, um, short story for the audience. I had a family that was, uh, they were dealing with a child that was experiencing what they thought was anxiety. And as we spoke more and more about it, the student would come to me frequently uh, with an inability seemingly to attend class. And whether it be one class in particular uh, yes, there was a pattern with one particular class in particular, but there was a general sense that avoiding something was sort of the, the nexus that was driving it all. But in talking to this child and bringing both parents in, the mother and the father, uh -huh. we were able to, <laughs> you can't provide your own jump scares. And I was able to help this student realize that if you're skipping meals, that's a choice because if you're going into class with a headache and you know that it's probably going to be a class where you can't concentrate and give forth your best effort and now you're worried about what it's going to be like in class so therefore you don't want to go, I ask that child, is that anxiety? Because anxiety is like, you know, Michael Myers is in the bushes somewhere and about to jump out. You just don't know when. And you don't have right. control right. over that. You got right. no control over that. That's true. Because anxiety is usually external. And so what it's was true. happening, the, 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 the first domino was happening within her internally. Right? Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I, asked, right. I asked her, it's like, is that anxiety? If it's because you 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 cannot provide your own jump scare. That's like saying to yourself, okay, here it comes. Boo. Right. No. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you, you see the difference, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So it, it's always fascinating to kind of tease it out. So the long story short, because I know you said you're going to circle back to anxiety with me, but with the help of that family, we were able to get them to put in certain uh, parental influence, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh, it worked in their case. I've seen it work multiple times where the family really stuck together. Both parents said, you know what, doggone it. This access to social media where there's depression, in this case, it was anxiety. This is an issue. Now, they didn't take the phone completely away. 
because again, there is a legitimate concern out there that um, we, unfortunately, we've had some tragic things happen on school campuses, right? With mass Right, for sure. It's scary to be a parent today, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's scary. So yeah, you don't want to deprive someone access to their loved ones, but at the same time, that concern has brought forth unintended consequences to where something else is kind of run rampant. Like we always have to have it. Always, always have to have it. And we feel like we can't live without it. And so that's perhaps going far and away from what we're talking about here, because the the access to media devices and electronics uh, in my work, it definitely contributes to that. But what I like about what Lullabies for the Soul is doing is you're even despite that and because of that, you're still finding ways to empower families, children, students, parents, teachers, irregardless of what the circumstances are. Right. Right. And Absolutely. you're targeting and you're aiming to target uh, the schools where you say that this has no color basis, no geographical boundaries with regard to demographics. So we're targeting the youth. Because you Absolutely. said the youth are experiencing this. At, you said it's the number two cause of death? The number two cause of death in, uh, for teenagers in oh. the United States. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty heavy. Well, um, you know I support your work. Uh, how soon will be the next time you plan to uh, do this? Is this an ongoing thing that you're doing on a, a perpetual basis? And uh, I think offline, you mentioned something coming up uh, later this year. Uh, what's next for the Lullabies for the Soul movement? How soon will you be in the classrooms? And what could people do if they want to invite you out to speak about this to their child school? Okay, what uh, we're we're right in the pro we're in the process now of um, getting all of our documents together to submit to to different organizations, not only schools, after school programs, oh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, different, all different types, even go to the the drill teams, uh, mm. uh, marching bands, everywhere that there's youth, you yep. know. So that's that's what we're in the process now. So the timeline is to have everything done by uh, May. And okay. to, to target the target date to go into the schools will probably be in September when uh, when uh, school when they return back from the summer break. That's right. That's and, right. Yeah. And and also the 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 last but not least, we'll be launching a big uh, event November 4th. Mm. Right now, we're we don't have the our, our, our location, our venue will we will have it on our website upcoming pretty soon. There's a few things that we need to go over uh, with the uh, website designer. And mm. once we get those things situated, it will be posted on the, all social media platforms. Yeah, we're going to be looking forward to that. Because the reason why this is so important, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, schools, I think that's such a wonderful place to start, Marilyn, because it's such a natural environment for kids. I mean, it's one thing when you see as a parent that your child may need some support that you as a parent may not feel you're providing sufficient support, you know, subject matter expertise in terms of how to treat and support them. Right. So you may outside of the parameters of school and education, you might take them to the family doctor. You might take them to the pediatrician. You might take them to the counseling center in the community, which is not the wrong thing to do. But 
it's common, Marilyn and audience, that kids sometimes they they resist that. Not all the time, you know. Of course, that that's the remedy if you're not in school. But the reason why schools work so effectively with this is that kids are already there. They're already <laughs> there. They're already there. You don't have to get in the car and drive them somewhere, provided they're attending school, you know, because we do have some, Marilyn, gotcha. you already know yes. that they, they don't want to go to school because of this stuff. Absolutely. You know? And yeah, go ahead. Hopefully, I was thinking, you know, hopefully the teachers, once we connect with the schools mm -hmm. and, you know, the teacher looks over the roster and say, well, you know, uh, this particular student hasn't been, you know, hasn't attended school in yep. maybe two weeks. So my my question was, has anybody reached out to the parents? Right. You know, is 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 are they following up? That's what we're going to do. We're going to do the follow up. That's right. I'm just going to just give them the information and equip them with all of this, uh, the resources that we have, which is the information, and then just walk away. No, you'll be able to, to reach back out to us. As a matter of fact, we will do, we will come back and, and, and also sit with you, talk with you. And even, uh, even if they request for us to come back, we definitely will do that at yeah. any given time. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So before you go, I want you to tell us again what your uh, website is. That's uh, Brewing, if you have it, that 988 number, if you could drop that on us. And then, ladies and gentlemen, one more thing I want to add before I turn it back over to Marilyn. And thank you again for joining us, uh, Marilyn. You're um, so welcome. Schools, parents, uh, families out there. Many school districts, if not all of them, I, I can probably just speak for California, but I think this is a nationwide, uh, it's considered a best practice for a school or a site to have uh, sort of an intervention team. Uh, best practices is considered MTSS as one model, uh, multiple tiered uh -huh. systems of support. A lot of schools are using that. And usually that's exactly, uh, that's the acronym for it, but the, the function of it is kind of what Marilyn just described. It's like, who are, if you get some teachers together and they give you a list of students to identify, uh, some may even call it sort of like a child find because we have to be able to go and identify these children where they are. I mean, the first step is identifying them so that we can bring them in or go to them to provide the supports that they desperately need, not wait for them to come to us is the key because that's how some slip through the cracks. And so it's on the adults, the parents and teachers, mainly in this case, the teachers to be hypervigilant, to be looking at their students as they walk into the classroom, check their vibe, teachers. And teachers, I have to say, y'all do a pretty amazing job of this already, but there's always room for it. And I'm speaking about myself. I'm not a teacher, I'm a yes. psych, but uh -huh. I could, uh -huh. we could all be better at this. It's like, read, read the room. Absolutely. Okay. If somebody, Absolutely. if somebody's a little bit off today, pull them to the side, check in. Hey, how you doing? You look a little down today. What's going on? I'm here for you. What can uh -huh. we do to support you today? So important. I want to salute all the teachers out there, but I also want to thank our very, very special guest, Marilyn Ellison Eccles. So good to have you back. What's the best way for people thank to keep so in contact much. with you? Uh, that 988 number. Can you drop that on us before we yes. let you go? The 988 number once uh, anyone anyone can call that number, it'll connect you, it'll connect the callers with a network of trained counselors for anything that you're going through. Mm -hmm. So you you will be immediately connected. This is a, this is a, a, a it's a network that um, that has filled a big gap in the mental health uh, crises care. So it's it's one number that 
it's easier for even going back to the elementary school students, it, to me, it's easier for them to remember three digits instead of seven, even though, uh, let me tell you, we know that they know the seven digits. We know that. Right. But if you're in a crisis and you just want to just uh -huh. tap into something, those three digits, 988, we were going to put that number out there. I've already Absolutely. spoken with an advocate for 988, uh, mm -hmm. the hotline, and and absolutely told me to spread the word. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at myself. I was like, I gave that out <laughs> like it was an area code. I forgot. That's the number. <laughs> That's the number. <laughs> That's the number, ladies and that gentlemen. That is the number. It's three digits, 988. It's not an area code. It's, it's not an area code. <laughs> Shout out to, to Nate Dog and Ludacris. That ain't no area code. That's the number. It's not area code. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time, and it repeats again on Friday evenings from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our very, very special guests for the evening, Jeffrey Keller and Marilyn Ellison Eccles. Also want to send a very, very special shout out to Mr. Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care. <laughs>